0: You're listening to The Perfect Picture, a bi-weekly show where we chat about race, gender, and class within and beyond the church from a biblical lens. I'm Taylor Poe Howard.
1: And I'm Dr. T. Smith.
0: Welcome to The Perfect Picture. It's week three. I can't believe we've yeah. made it to week three. So this week, our topic is the church and politics. Ooh. Travis, how are you feeling about this?
1: I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, one thing you don't do in church, you don't talk about politics, right? Um, So this is what this podcast is for. We're going to talk about things that uh, we typically wouldn't talk about in a church regarding, you know, racism, sexism, and other forms of oppression. So why not start with politics? Because policies are oppressing people, right? Um, So I'm excited. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's super true. I've been so nervous about this because I think it could be such a divisive issue in the church, right? And I think oftentimes you hear that, oh, if you're truly a Christian, then you vote for this specific party. Yeah. And so I think starting off, one thing that we should set as a cultural norm on this show is that um, neither political party is perfect and no party um, clearly... Examples and amplifies the kingdom of God, right? There's no Christian political party. Um, So I think we should set that off, like just from the jump,
1: right? Most definitely. I mean, Jesus didn't say he was a Democrat. He didn't say he was a Republican. He didn't say he was an independent. Um, And if we're going to model the life of Jesus, then, you know, we can't allow our affiliations to define who we are, if that makes sense. It's kind of like, the church has decided that one particular party is the Christian party. But that's just not true. Yeah, uh, because if you look at, you know, both parties, as you've already mentioned, both of them are problematic. Uh, But we got to kind of yeah. get to the nitty gritty. I think it's all rooted in. Um, controlling people and manipulating people and people know that religion has been used specifically Christianity has been used to control and manipulate people you know since slavery Um, so we really got to get to the root of it so what are you thinking regarding like some of the problematic pieces of politics and its relation to the church or the church and its relations to politics
0: well most recently I've really been thinking I mean it's 2020 it's an election year and the last four years um, have radic- radically changed things, right? Right. And I'm not sure if I feel that way this year because I'm 31. Um, and so I've been very aware of the politics of the last four years and their effects on people. I went to law school um during the time of the last election. And so the way I looked at voting and the way that I looked at the election was drastically different than I ever had before because I understood um, more about how the law works and how it impacts people. And so going into this year, I've just really really been looking at the church, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the, The role the church plays in politics or if it plays a role in politics and who gets to sit out and be silent because they don't have um, a dog in the fight to say and how um, other people cannot be silent. So when I say that, I mean like in the past, the white church has been silent. I feel, um, (laughs) I think a lot of other black people feel that the white church has been silent when it comes to issues of race or comes to issues of politics and policies that affect minority communities. Whereas I feel that black Christians haven't had the privilege to be able to ignore politics, right? Yeah. I mean to say, a lot of people say, I don't I don't vote or I don't think about um politics because our life is so much bigger than what's on this earth, right? The super spiritual response.
1: Yeah, no. So, that's that's crazy because I was feeling the same way. Like how you know hearing a pastor say, Oh well you know, we just got to focus on Jesus. We don't have to worry about politics. That's such a privileged thing to say when your life is not yes. being impacted. Like, it doesn't matter to you if Trump or Biden wins because, you know, you identify as white and it's kind of like, it's your life really isn't going to change. But just think about if you're um, Hispanic or Latinx or, you know, from South America, right? And you're an immigrant. Yeah. And it does matter to you because you can be targeted, right? And I, I really appreciate you for saying that because it's just a privileged thing to say. And it's really an ignorant statement. Um, And I've been seeing like, you know, I go to the gym next to a church um, and I've been seeing like Jesus 2020 signs. And I was like, man, Jesus on the ballot. Did somebody not tell me that he was running for office? Uh, Now, granted, I understand Jesus should be at the forefront of everything that we do. And right. We should be seeking guidance and wisdom from him. But I think that's such a misleading um, thing to say. I think that's, it's just a privileged thing to say, and it really bothers me uh, because it's kind of yeah. like this false message of, yeah, Jesus. Let's just focus on Jesus and everything's gonna be okay. Be okay. No, that's yeah. not what Jesus did. Like Jesus was an active citizen, um, yes. and you can kind of see uh, how he acted in the in the temple. Right when he turned over the merchants' yeah. tables, and it wasn't necessarily about the merchants per se, but it was about giving access. Um, To people who weren't considered Jews, the ability to worship like you had literally converted where they could worship into just this marketplace. And now it was disrupting their worship. And I think, you know, just looking at how the temple was orchestrated and designed like that was an equity fight. Like Jesus is saying, like, no, everybody deserves the right to to free worship, um, to have a a peaceful place of assembly to worship. Um, So I don't know. That's just my thoughts right off the bat. What, What else are you thinking?
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love that you bought over, um, bought up Jesus flipping tables um, in the temple because I heard that story for so long and I never knew why. And when I found (laughs) out it was because of inequality and that people were trying to make money off of of, um, having, of of, of these people having a place to worship, Mm -hmm. it just seemed ridiculous. And the fact to know that I serve a God that has that heart for justice and for people was just like mind blowing to me but i think that when people say that you know jesus is the only way i definitely agree that jesus is the only way that ultimately jesus is going to get the last say That's but great. he tells us to be wise with our decisions and so i think that that involves voting as well and the bottom line is one of um one of the commands is to love you know love people mm-hmm. to love your brother and politics create polities, policies policies and, and policies impact people right so I think Jesus is concerned about politics, right? Um, and and when you ignore that, then in all of your spirituality, are you um, are you serving religion or are you serving the heart of Jesus Christ? Oh right? wow. Are you trying to be more like Jesus? That's so, good. Yeah, now, I hear you on that.
1: That's really mm-hmm. good because here's the thing: policies don't write themselves. People write policies. Yeah. Right, so if you're yeah. going to be a, a Christian and you're writing a policy that is dehumanizing people, uh, that is intentionally targeting people like stop and frisk, or like separating yeah. uh, children from their parents, you know, at the border, and, yeah. and and deport deporting parents and keeping their their families here, like literally. That is not Christian policy. Like, I don't care what you say. That is not a Christian policy. So you truly can't separate <laughs> your values uh, from your actions. Like if you're a true, uh, and I don't like to say like true Christian, but if you're acting and and, and practicing Um, We're not practicing But living the Christian life As Jesus would want us to do Then it should be reflected In the policies And the bills And the laws That you pass And that's what I'm That's what we need to talk about Is the church Like what is the church's role In politics Um, And let's just start with 2020 Like you see a lot of people uh, Getting out to vote And expressing that everyone should have the equal right to vote. My number one concern is I think the church should be the leading cause in saying we should do away with voter suppression. Everybody should, as the Bible says, should have the ability to cast their lot. So why not? If we're living in a democracy, uh, why are we um, having laws and policies in place that suppress other people from voting? I think that's something that the church should be active in. What's something that you think the church should be active in that we're currently silent about? Hmm. Oh, did I stump I you? I think
0: that <laughs> uh, you said so much, and I wanted to comment on some of it, and I also want to answer your question. Okay, well, go ahead and come
1: comment first, and then answer.
0: So I think that we do have to be careful um, in demonizing a certain way of thought, mm-hmm. right? Because. There are, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this more later. But there are thoughts that that I don't understand, right? And, and I think are just, I think they're wrong. Um, but someone may say, for that same person that you're saying, like, oh, well, you you put this president in power, and he creates policies that separate families, right? Mm-hmm. They may say, oh, well, that that same president is. Um, like abortion, that like that's like the hot topic that people like to come yeah, with, right? that's, that's the go-to so they to may thing. Say, abortion. Yeah, that's that's the go-to go-to thing. So they may say, "Oh, where well, this president um, embodies Christian values regarding abortion, right?" And so just like you're saying, that person is you know morally wrong and and not a Christian because they they support you know this law that is going to oppress people. They're going to say, "Well, you support a law that that kills children." You're, you're supporting the leader who wants to do this thing. And so I think that we have to change the rhetoric in the way that we speak about those things, which is really hard for me to say because, because I think it comes down to humanity and yeah. I have a real problem with it. Yeah. But I think at the same time, um, when we talk about it that way, I think it really divides and it doesn't help us to be able to truly hear the heart of it. And that doesn't mean that one side is more or less right than the other, but... I think it puts up blockers that creates defensiveness, which doesn't help us to see the other point of view. Does that no, make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I just think from
1: the perspective of abortion versus other dehumanizing um, policies, abortion is something between a woman and her body, right? Now, granted, if if you believe that the baby Um, the fetus or the embryo is a living being then that's another conversation but I think that's one thing to have a conversation about versus saying we have families that are being separated we are we have policies in place that don't give people access to exercise their right to vote we have policies in place that allow innocent people to be gunned down without due process, you know, without justice being served. Um, So, you know, I definitely see I definitely, But these are conversations we got to have. We, we, as a church, we need to have conversations around the root causes. What are we going to stand for? And I think abortion has just been this taboo, this taboo topic that allows people to kind of cop out around, oh, well, we're not, we're just going to not talk about politics, which goes into like, it's really privilege to allow you to mm-hmm. say, I'm not going to talk about politics or my church is not focused on politics because that just shows that they're not technically affecting you. Like as a black man, I can't yeah. talk about, I can't say that I'm not concerned or focused on politics because politics really could be the depth of me, right? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like this idea that what Martin Luther King was saying when he was writing a letter from... The Birmingham Jail, and he was calling out white evangelicals regarding their silence and human rights. And I intentionally use the words human rights because there's nothing civil about not being attacked by dogs or your church being bombed. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no civility in oh, that. Yeah. We're talking about basic human rights, access to health care, access to foods, and and I think this is. And I truly believe this is what Jesus uh, was trying to embody. Like making sure that we remember uh, when they set up the new church and they were going around like communing with everybody, fellowship with everybody, and taking the taking care of each other and saying like, hey, it's our responsibility to take care of the widow. Right. And it's our responsibility to take care of the elders. Right. People that are of old age. Well, those yeah. are principles that we still should be adhering to to this day. Um, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Those are just my thoughts.
0: So. I mean, Jesus definitely speaks up about justice and seeking justice in Isaiah. And in Proverbs, he talks about um, speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves right. and for the rights of all that are destitute. And in Jeremiah, he talks about um, not doing justice unto um, foreigners. That is the Bible the word uses, the Bible uses. Um, and he talks about all those things. So I'm, I'm not here to disagree with you about that. And I'm not here, I'm not going to state an opinion about abortion, right? I'm not going to state even what I think the Bible says about abortion, because I think it's going to decenter this conversation. Right. But I do think there is a lot to be said, and maybe that is something we should explore down the line. But I do want to say that I think that according to the Bible, our responsibility is to cast a vote or to make decisions regarding politics that are going to lead to a world of peace, and I think that when you talk about abortion and then you talk about the other policies that are at play, like immigration, right, um, and racial justice, that, that right now the things that we need and, and the things that are prevalent, and when we look on one side of the ballot and we look on the other side, one of them is having a lot of, of um, harsh consequences um, to people that are currently here to people that have been birthed right and I think mm-hmm. that's what you were saying right like there are children who are alive right now who are being separated from their families and you're telling me that you care so much about unborn children and which yet you won't see to the ones that are present right right and, and I get that and I'm here with you on that but I do think um, and, and one thing I was concerned about was that we share the similar point of view, right? And so I think it would be interesting to have somebody here who didn't. Um, which is maybe if you're listening and you don't agree and you have a totally point different point of view on this, we'd love to hear from you. Slide in our DMs. Maybe this that's a conversation we can have on air. But I do agree with you because I'm with you, Travis. I think that like you know, right now I'm gonna just say it. Um, I I have the thought. Um, And I'm I'm praying on this and I am fasting on this and I'm asking God to convict me on this because I truly think that if you are casting a vote for Donald Trump as a white person, you are a racist. And if you are casting a vote for Donald Trump as a black person, I don't even know if I have words for you. I I don't even know what to call you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at the very least, you complicit. And like that, that. I, like that's something I've been hearing a lot lately like there are black people voting for Donald Trump like that's a that's a thing Travis
1: <laughs> yeah I, I just I don't know what are
0: your thoughts on that
1: I don't have the words to explain it um, and not that I'm a Democrat or Republican uh, but I'm just gonna call it out call what I see out I just don't understand how one could identify as a Christian. Uh, and, and I'm working on this as my, myself and, and support Donald Trump I mean he yeah. incites violence yes. he incites uh discrimination he incites racism yes uh, and it's it's like everything that our Christian values are supposed to stand for he does not yeah um, and and granted he does you know have a stance on pro-life but if pro-life yes. life means that much to you to where the you literally can hate people that you see every day but you have so much yeah. love for uh embryo or baby or fetus whatever you want to call it that you don't even see that's 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 problematic to me um and i and i yeah. kind of take issue now again i'm not being judgmental those are just my personal opinions regarding um i think regarding donald trump i think he truly uh, is intentional on dividing the country um and you know, that's yeah. one of the the primary um, goals of the devil, right? Satan is to divide Talk about people. Um, so, you know, I, I <laughs> the just Bible want us says to say
0: He comes to kill, kill steal, and, and destroy. destroy. Yeah.
1: So I, I think we have an obligation as a church to kind of take a step back and maybe from a political stance, maybe the church, I would love to see the church bring in both sides of the parties to maybe just educate people. Like, hey, we as a church are not saying vote Democratic or vote Republican, but we want to make sure that our members are informed, our members are educated. We yeah. want to make sure that everyone have have access to the polls. We want to we want to yeah. make sure that our church is open, because a lot of these mega churches yeah, could be, I love that. be you know voting sites or polling sites. That's what I'm talking about. We should pe- play I an active that. role in politics in that way, and then allow our members. To vote as they as they see fit. Now, yeah. uh, sh- should we inform? I, I, I believe whoever the leader is, we have an obligation to pray for that person, to support that person, because I never want the Bible says. Right. I never want to see uh, the day that we pray for failure for Donald Trump, because if he fails, yeah. we fail. And I, and I was listening to a sermon uh, by Dr. Mike Moore, and he was saying, like, we don't need to pray for Donald Trump failure because he's our leader and he's over the country uh, and, you know, again if he fails we fail uh but we never as christians should be praying on anyone's downfall anyway that's witchcraft yes uh yeah but i do think we should be holding people accountable so those are some of the things i really think the church should have an adamant role in you know making sure that everyone can get to the polls making sure that everyone understands who the the different platforms i I like like some of these nonprofits are doing like bipartisan information sheets why isn't the church participating in that right and maybe the church yeah. should say hey these are policies that are aligned with you know biblical principles or if the church Honestly, yeah. was was teaching kingdom and teaching principles. Maybe we're not even having this conversation, but that's another topic for that's another day. That's
0: what, <laughs> yes, that part right there. And that's what I was gonna say to what you said. What the the question you asked was, what should um I think the church be doing? Yeah. And I think that the church needs to speak out against cultural Christianity, mm-hmm. which is our the when we hold our theology captive by our politics instead of allowing our worship in Jesus Christ to inform our politics. Yeah. And I think that cultural Christianity is is a big issue in America, a huge one. Can and because since it? we're not talking about politics, then we don't talk about that, right? Which yeah. I think goes into like the allowing one issue Or a person's stance on one issue to dictate your whole voting process, right? Gotcha. And so I think that's something that, like, I would love to see sermon series on, and I would love to see preachers um, unpacking as we go into election season, because I don't think people even realize they're being held captive by it. Right. And I also think, like, um, we talk about this a lot, and it's kind of the whole point of the podcast, but, like, as Preachers are speaking out more against racism. I think that as you begin to do that, you have to start talking about the policies. <laughs> you, you have to um, because yeah, it's it's systematic, like we were talking about in the other episode. And so if you don't speak out against it, if you're not actively being anti racist, then you as a white person are implicitly, you know, like contributing to racism. So our white pastors have to start talking about these things. Yeah. Um,
1: It it goes back to what you said earlier around like the black church was adamant in the civil rights movement. I don't know if you said it, but I was thinking this right. Um, So you saw in the 60s and the 50s and the 60s, you saw two separate churches, right? You saw the black church, predominantly the black church, right? Um, Really active in the civil rights movement. And then you saw the white church completely. Complicit, But then you saw some some white preachers uh, like Reverend Gretz out of Montgomery, Alabama, who God rest his soul. He passed away um, two weeks ago, and he was such a great guy. Like, let me just give him his honor, his due. Um, I had the op- opportunity to know him while I was at Alabama State University, and he his spirit was so gentle. Uh, but you had preachers like him who were saying, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to stand with people that are hurting. Um, and you know he yeah. faced the consequences of having his house bombed as well, which a lot of people don't know wow. uh, but it's just like those he was standing not necessarily for people, he was standing for what he believed in Jesus Christ, which is loving yeah. love true love loving your brothers and your sisters and standing for what's right and standing against forms of oppression uh, because if you think about if people are hurting, And you think just a rah-rah service Sunday service is going to get them through their struggles. That's not it. Like they're going to go back Monday through Saturday and face those same racist policies, face those same racist bankers, face those same racist employers to where they can't get jobs, get opportunities. Like that's a problem. We as a church need to start talking about it and providing spaces, Uh, you know, and and I guess for me, when I think about church and politics, I am think that's what I'm talking about. I'm thinking about churches taking a stand and say, hey. Everybody should have the equal opportunity to get a small business loan, right? Everyone should have an equal opportunity to get hired, not based off of their skin color, not based off of, you know, what school they went to or how much money they currently make. Like, that's what I'm talking about. The church should be taking a stand up because that's kingdom, right? That's that's kingdom principle regarding God, God saying, like, I don't show partiality. Like no one is better than the other person. Um, so, you know, that's just my stance on it. It just really brings me back to James, too. And I guess I'm gonna always cite this verse about partiality when James was talking about, <laughs> you know, the rich guy or uh, the rich person yeah. and looking down and judging the other person as if they weren't worthy because they didn't have, quote unquote, you know, gold rings or the fine linens. But that's, you know, that's classism. But there's classism within the church. As well, Uh, which again, back to policies, policies that we make and the laws that we pass, right? Reinforce and perpetuate oppression, classism, racism. I mean, how does one pay $750 in taxes and they're a billionaire? And I pay way more than that in taxes. That's a problem.
0: So, okay, I agree. So I saw something the other day that I think we should address, right? So I'm going to tell you a bit about what I saw. So there's a girl at my church and I follow her on Instagram. She does this program called Dean Street. She's awesome. She is a white woman. She's married to a white man. Um, and she has a pretty large Instagram following. And she did a poll. Um, she's a Christian. And she did a poll on Instagram asking people who they were going to vote for and why, right? That's it. That's Exactly what she said. And she allowed people to write answers in. And a lot of people, there was a portion of people that said they were going to vote for Donald Trump because they felt like he was good for the Black community. And then there was a portion of people that said they were going to vote against Donald Trump specifically, not even necessarily for Joe Biden, (laughs) (laughs) but against Donald Trump for the exact same reason. And she said when she went through like the different profiles of the people, she noticed that all the people who said that just of her of her Dean Street following, all the people that said that he was good for Black people was for white people. And all the people who said that he was bad for Black people was mostly Black people with the exception of one Hispanic woman, right? Wow. And she found it very interesting that they gave the same answer. Like they, they gave the same answer because he's good. He is or he is not good for the Black community. And so when I heard that, I had a lot of thoughts <laughs> um, but I, And I kind of want to work through them with you. But another, another thought I had was that um, I hate that when we have this conversation about... Um, this particular matter and and when people talk about him being racist, that they only think about the black community right because i think that's an isolating <laughs> conversation it's that the black white
1: binary that's what it's called
0: yeah but like there are other communities that have been way more affected in my opinion by donald trump's decisions than black people and i think when i center myself at the at the center of a conversation that i am ignoring the needs of my brother yeah right yeah. um and so like the black people that are and one thing I do want to talk to you about is like the black people that are saying he's good for the black community, are we just like ignoring other communities? Even even if that was a viable argument, what do you say about the Hispanic community? What do you say about like you said about him separating children from their families at the border and, and putting people in detention camps? What do you say about that? What, are what we if, a people as Christians that only think about ourselves? Like what? first of all,
1: we're we're in, selfish in by world. nature. Uh, But second of all, Uh. that's called according to critical race theory, it's called the black white binary to where we when we talk about racism, we're only talking about black and white. Right. And there's some historical pieces to that, because uh, most of it. Uh, in America, right, most of the racial tensions have always been between black and white people. But I think we really have to have further conversations uh, with other groups of people, especially immigrants um, that are like brown, brown immigrants, your Asian Americans, your Alaskan, your indigenous folks, your Hispanic people, that they're being oppressed too. Uh, And I think that's one of the things that Martin Luther King was trying to do in his latter years was coalition build across all ethnic groups. Um, And I think that's where it kind of the the that was the nail in the coffin, unfortunately, because yeah. there's power uh, in numbers. Now, going back to your your first statement, someone takes my brother that same exact thing. Like, hey, I saw your post. And man, I think Donald Trump, a white guy, uh, I think Donald Trump has done more for the black community than any other president. What I realized is that's, that's what a talking point. Says. That is a, that's a talking point. And it's kind of like people don't understand what they're saying when they're saying it because they've been fed yeah. this as a talking point. So I posted on Facebook, I was like, when people say this, have y'all actually asked the black community what Donald Trump has done for them? Uh, I'm like, yes. really, have you looked around and just went into the neighborhoods, the the same neighborhoods that he's constantly saying are rat infested, uh like, are you all, like, living under a rock or something? Like, are you Patrick from SpongeBob? Like, what's really going on, you know? Uh, yeah. But I think it's just a talking point um, that people, that when you, it's kind of like when somebody that didn't read in class, they just going to say what, yeah. they, <laughs> what they've heard. Other people saying they're just going to keep saying it. Uh, but I do think we have yeah. an obligation. And that's why I'm really, I think we have an obligation to call out, uh issues in the Black community because we're Black, but I also think we have an obligation to help amplify other issues in other communities. And I'm, I'm yes. big on coalition building, uh, but I want to, I think one of the things is that Black people from a historical perspective, have always gotten their movements watered down. Like not and when I say watered down, I'm saying I'm not saying they're less important, but I'm saying that like as other people have been incorporated into the movement, and black people still got the lesser end of the stick, if that makes sense. So I think they're you know, yeah. from and I'm not making excuses for black people, but this is just what I've seen is that black people are to the point that we're just gonna say, like, hey we're talking about black lives right now. Like everybody else matter, but we're going to talk about black lives. And, and we have to use that to continue to be, I think it's not a either or, but a both and, uh, because yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like it really just, as a father, I could not imagine being separated from my son or uh, being in a cage yeah. with my son in a foreign land. And I don't speak yeah. English. Right. And I don't know, you know, what, what is going to happen. Uh, but I, as a Christian person I speak for I speak up for black issues that I see because I'm black and I easily identify them but I'm always challenging myself to identify other issues um, in other communities to help people because I think we all we have an obligation to do that like God and you know Jesus uh, and Big G uh, God (laughs) is not uh, a God for black people only or for Hispanic people only right
0: yeah, I agree. But I also think that like, okay, so I'm black and, and I do feel an obligation um, to speak up around black issues. And I think when we're having conversations about Black Lives Matter, it is okay to say that right now we're talking about black lives. Yeah. But when we're talking about Christianity and politics, I feel like that's not an okay, like a catch all statement. I think we need to talk a bit about everybody's struggle. And because first, yes, I'm a woman. Yes, I'm a black woman but I'm not going to make an idol out of those things. My first identity is a follower of Christ. Right. And as a follower of Christ, I need to see everybody at the table, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that if we were having a conversation of Black Lives Matter, and then that was a topic of discussion, that that's a fine statement. Yeah. However, if we're having a, a conversation about politics and Christianity, I think that we all need to be able to to like not play oppression Olympics. Not mm-hmm. like not at all. Mm-hmm. However, recognize other people's struggle. And when we talk about casting votes, your vote and why you're voting absolutely matters. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, like you 100%. need to consider the what effect that's gonna have on the Hispanic community or even Asians most recently with the um the Asian community with the coronavirus and how like the way that he was speaking about the coronavirus and calling it a Chinese virus yeah, like the China what plague. the plague come that on man did. yeah that's yeah, like, so
1: problematic
0: yeah and it, it, it impacted Asian people in America right. right and it impacted how people treated them yeah. um and so i think that that the when we're talking about racism right um and we're talking about politics and we're talking about our white sex christians i, I Feel like we can't just have a black and white conversation. That we have to include those other things, um, and that it's God's heart to see everyone. But before we end it, I really wanted to go through um, the good for blacks argument because I looked into it. Are you down?
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) Okay. Because these are the things that were said, and I was like, okay, we. I want to hear what you have to say about them. Okay. So he's good for blacks because. The First Step Act, which I think was signed into legislation in, um, I think, maybe 2017, it was to reform sentences in federal prisons, right? Right. So, that was signed during his time in office. He's taking credit for it. Mm -hmm. He says that he um, passed this thing called Opportunity Zones, which is tax breaks for investing in low-income communities.
1: Okay. Okay. So, hold up. Who's winning there? Come on. Okay. Okay. I got
0: it. Listen, I agree with you, but I have to go through them because I want people who are listening to know where this comes from. Go ahead. Go ahead. The other thing is federal funding for historically black colleges and university has increased Mm. since he um, has taken office. And then he said, last but not least, the employment rates um, for black people, black Americans, fell to 5.9% in May of 2018, which is the lowest it's ever been since 1972. Now, I think we should debunk some of this. (laughs) Okay, well, let me, so as an HBCU
1: scholar, HBCU stands for Historically Black Colleges and University, let me tell you that Mm -hmm. um, in the original budget, and I went and looked for this myself, and you can find this, you can find the proposed budget, Uh, there was not an increase in federal funding. For HBCUs, actually, Senator Doug Jones and I forgot the other senator, um, along with the House of Representatives, fought to get that increase. Of course, yeah. you as the president, you're gonna take you know credit for it because, right? It's yeah. it's under your watch, so I get it. I'm not taking anything from him, but I think the that's a misleading statement. And a lot of those funds are actually not funds; they're actually kind of like loan forgiveness or extended loan breaks, or um, they, I know for one of the particular loans, uh, they allow HBCUs to get like a lower interest rate. But all of these things are not like directly related to the president is, you know, the house (laughs) makes the budget. So it's really funny. Um, You really should do some research around the HBCU presidents and their commentary around their visit to the White House and their thoughts. And i just leave it at that.
0: Yeah. I love the statement that a lot of these things are did not are not directly related to the president, because I think that's the truth of it. Like you were saying, the program for the funding for HBCUs has been in place for decades and the funding comes from Congress. Yep. So,
1: you know, actually some of that funding. So Howard University is one of the only is the only HBCU in the federal budget It's one of the only federal chartered federally chartered universities. So they just got to They got an increase in funds. And that's actually accounted <laughs> for, quote unquote, yeah. the HBCUs. Right. But they're a federally chartered yeah. university. So, of course, if the budget goes up, they're going to get more money. But anywho. Yeah.
0: Uh, so she- another one of the things was the First Step Act, which is what he's been big in, pushing big on, because I've heard some people say that they're voting for Biden because they're voting for the devil they know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say they go on to discuss how he supported the 1993, the crime bill that painted black children as super predators. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose those words I used very carefully and i meant in all of them um, and all the things wrong with that. Right. And mm-hmm. so Trump is really big on pushing that the first step act, which is a that helped to reform sentences in federal prisons and his work on that was drastically different from Biden's. But that was a bill that was already on the table before he came into office and it fell short of its expectations and all it was supposed to do originally in 2015. Correct. Yes. Then you, I think, had some thoughts about the opportunity zones, the tax breaks for investing in low-income communities. Yeah,
1: so... I I mean, I have a lot of questions uh, because you got to think about who predominantly has access to capital to invest in opportunity zones. And I'm all for opportunity zones. Right. But I think we have to look at, okay. you're you're basically giving tax breaks to people that are already rich to invest into the community versus saying, let's put the money directly into the community and then let the community build. Because a lot of times what happens is you in the opportunity zones, you get someone who could go who has access to go get that money. Right. And then they start a business that is not beneficial to yeah. the local community. And so people exactly. start moving in and pushing the local community out right and it's really
0: gentrification
1: it's gentrification <laughs> 101 gentrification and it's problematic um so when you start talking it about does. like tax breaks and all of that stuff your middle class and low income people aren't getting tax breaks you're basically the richest yeah. getting richer and the poor is getting poor um so it's yeah. really you know it's problematic but it all sounds good in theory it really sounds good it it's does a, it's a catch catch all phrase and it's kind of like one of those things where your mom used to say okay, I'm just going to say it because, you know, just believe me because I say it. It's like, no.
0: You know, but anyway. And I think. Go ahead. Yeah. I think the last one was the unemployment rate, which is actually a pretty impressive number, but it's accumulation of a year long um, process that began under the Obama administration. And so it's not something he can actually take credit for. And so for anybody that was thinking that he was just good for Blacks, Um, he's doing a lot in the black community. I just want you to know what that actually looks like on paper. I can't speak for all the black people, nor can Travis, but those are his numbers and those are his statistics. And I'm going to let them speak for themselves.
1: Yeah. Well, here's an action item for anyone who says Donald Trump is the best thing for black people. How about you go into an actual black community and ask the people if Donald Trump is the best thing for them and then ask why? That's the great question. And you'll get your answer. If not, then don't make assumptions. Um, I, I would never say Mickey Mouse should be president for all white people because I can't speak for white people. And I don't know. You know, I'm not in those circles <laughs> to know. Uh, but anywho, this has been a really great why conversation. Why Mickey Mouse, homie? Uh, I, why Why Mickey Mouse? Because I'm in Florida and uh, I'm near Orlando. So I was just thinking about like Disney World. It was a random thought. <laughs> Uh, But no, I really enjoy this this conversation around politics and I guess around politics. And I guess the biggest thing moving forward is this is not like a conversation intended to like catch all It's really a conversation to spark other conversations around the church and politics. And what I would definitely um, encourage all of our listeners to do is to ask your executive pastors, ask your leadership team, you know, what can our local church do? To play a role in the local, you know, policies and procedures and practices or local politics. Like, what can we do as a church to make sure that people have the access to vote, um, that people are informed and then that people just feel confident in the decision that they're going to make? I'm not saying we should be telling people what to vote for, and who to vote for. But I think as Christians, we have to stop. Allowing society to dictate who we are and we need to start kind of like living the true life and 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 loving and and just showing the true actions of what Christ really was, which is equity for everybody.
0: Yeah, I love that. So on that note, I guess we'll see you guys next week.
1: Awesome. See you next week. Yeah. So thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. We look forward to engaging with you all and we'll see you next week.
0: Bye.